So let me tell you something. We're doing a new song today, and we're all so pumped to do it that we wanted to go straight to it. So you're going to have to wait. That was just a tease. All right? I know you were pumped. It's okay. We will get to it. All right? So we're going we're gonna to do that again. We're going to do Living Hope first, and then uh, that's a new one. It's called What He's Done. I promise you're going to love it, but you're going to have to wait. That was just a preview. But here we go. How many have Instagram? Anybody follow? There, there's an account on Instagram called Worship Fails, and it is literally the greatest thing God has ever created because you can see other churches crash and burn. I should probably submit that one to them. There's some great ones, man. There's, there's one... I don't even remember what song they're doing, and they're just going along, and, and they have a drum, bur- drum, drum booth kind of like this one, and they have this big cross behind it, and all of a sudden the cross just takes off into the drum, drum booth. Um, they have all sorts of great stuff. There's so many funny things that happen. That's just one of the ones that's happened here um, that, that week. Bob just got so excited to play that song that he played it two songs too early. Nancy tried her hardest to just go with it, but when you're playing songs in different keys, it just doesn't work. So um, there's so many different things that go into worship. So, uh, you know, sitting down here, I get to watch and just be a part of it. But appreciate your worship team. They put in a lot of effort. And uh, sometimes things don't always go the way um, that you want them to. And so sometimes you just have to smile and, uh, you know, make it work. I could sit here for 30 minutes and tell you a whole bunch of funny stories of things that have happened during worship. There's so many different aspects of worship and sometimes there are things that um, can hinder us from worship and sometimes it's us our, ourself up here in, in mistakes that just sometimes happen so we are starting a three-week series today on worship and it's called it's your breath and just taken from the line of that last song we sang great are you lord it is your breath in our lungs so we pour out your praise and and isn't it beautiful to see people be baptized and beginning their new life in Christ this morning? And so what a great day to talk about worship. I want to start off and I want to take a look back at the woman at the well. Now, we have all read this story um, many times. And a little background about the woman at the well. You know, she had a tainted past and she didn't live the best lifestyle. It was questionable at best, had been married multiple times, was probably living with someone who wasn't her husband. And Jesus is talking to her. And not only that, but she's a Samaritan. And if you know anything about that day and time, what that means is, is that she was half Jewish, but not full Jewish. So Samaritans were kind of outcasts. And so Jesus is essentially saying these things to her and pointing them out. And just like we do, she tries to change the subject. And so let's open our Bibles to the book of John in chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 20. We have a lot of scripture today, uh, starting in verse 20. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. This is the, the woman at the well talking. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied. I love his response here. This is biblical, so you can call your wife woman if you want to. Woman. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We, the Jews, worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. 
and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, she is talking to Jesus, even though she's trying to change the subject, and she is asking him about the proper location for worship, basically the logistics of it. How does it work? What are all the things I need to do? What boxes need to be checked in order for it to be considered proper worship? And Jesus, just like he does, spins that around, and instead of it being about where and how and what do I need to do so that it's done correctly, he tells her about the proper attitude for worship in spirit and in truth. Now, we all, even today, are very much like this woman. We are very me-centric when it comes to worship about what we like. And that's not always bad. We, we like a certain volume. We like a certain style of song. We like, you know, hymns, or we like the modern songs, or, you know, we like the songs that are three minutes, or we like the songs that are 12 minutes, or we, we don't want lights, or we want it light in here, we want window. I mean, there's so many different things that, that go into what we think worship should look like. And what Jesus is telling her is those things don't matter. You just need to worship in spirit and in truth. Pure biblical worship is focusing on God and then responding to Him. Amen? And it doesn't matter what vehicle you use to get there as long as you are doing those things. Whether you're in church, like you all are this morning, or just in your everyday life at work, at school, at home, every single time you acknowledge how great God is, it's an act. Maybe you're here on a Sunday morning and you're singing and, and you feel overpowered with the presence of God and you let out a shout of praise. That's worship. Maybe you're sitting at home in your recliner drinking a cup of coffee at five in the morning and, and doing a devotional and just sitting in silence. That's worship. Worship is to God and not of God. It's about God. Now, worship is not intended to be a Sunday morning only activity. We all fall into this trap from time to time. We, we don't do anything during the week, and then we come and we expect for the 20 minutes that we're in worship that, that that is enough to get us through the week. Now, Sunday morning corporate worship together as believers is important, but it's also important that we live a lifestyle of worship and we acknowledge how great God is throughout the week. You know, it's easy sometimes when you're in a beautiful place to acknowledge how great God is. You're, you go to Red River on a, a little you know, mini vacation for the weekend and you see these beautiful mountains and just all of God's creation, it's really easy to acknowledge how great God is. But for some reason, all of us have chosen to live in Amarillo, Texas, where there's no trees. And one day it's 85 and the next day it's 35 when you get up. And maybe that's a little bit harder to acknowledge how great God is with the creation that we're used to seeing. I mean, Amarillo literally means yellow. And so you look out there, and it's, it's not as beautiful as the mountains. It's not as beautiful as the beach. But you know what? God still created it, and we're here. So we might as well acknowledge it. Isaiah 6.3 says that, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Even Amarillo. The whole earth is full of his glory. So we need to do a better job of acknowledging how great God is in every circumstance of our life, in every location of our life, in everything that we're doing. Today, this first week of this series, I want to look at the things that hinder us 
there's probably a hundred because we're we're human and 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 sometimes we don't keep our focus where it is. But I want to look at just a few today. The first one is putting too much emphasis on what other people think. You guys fall into this trap? I mean, we all do to an extent from time to time. And we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 6 at an instance uh, when David was worshiping and his wife got really mad at him. So it never happens to me. I mean, my wife getting mad at me. 2 Samuel 6, I'm going to start in verse uh, in verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar, vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. So she's mad at him because essentially she thinks that he acted a fool. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was was being brought into Jerusalem. So this was a really big deal. And David was pumped. And now I don't know why he chose to worship half naked. And so please don't any of you think just because it's in the Bible that you can do that. Um, but but he did. And, and, and he didn't care what anybody thought about him. He was excited that the Ark of the Covenant, which had the presence of the Lord, was literally in front of him. And so he worshiped. And then he even tells her, I will become even more undignified. I will do even crazier things because it is before the Lord that I am worshiping. Now, we come in here on Sunday morning, or we come in here for a worship night. And we come and we get in our spot, and the song starts, and we just, quick start, okay, one more, one more after that. And we think, oh, oh, there it goes, there, nope, someone's going to pick something weird out here. And it, and it starts to go up again. I tell the worship team, if you're going to raise your hand when we're worshiping, that's fine. But you either go all the way or you don't do it all. No T-Rex arms. Because when we do this, we look really awkward. It doesn't matter how you worship. God just wants you to worship. It doesn't matter what someone thinks about you. You know, we are used to what worship looks and sounds like in here, but if you go to another church, it doesn't always look the same. I remember in college, we, uh, my college group went to Oklahoma City. And we went to Whitewater and, and uh, the Oklahoma City Memorial. And then on Sunday morning, we decided we were going to go visit a church. So we visited an Assembly of God church. Now, we were at a Baptist church, okay? So Baptist church worship was, you know, piano and organ. And you can say amen. Amen is totally acceptable during worship, but that's it. Don't clap. You sure don't raise your hand. Um, and so we go to this Assembly of God church, and they were so nice. And then the music started. And, I mean, it was energetic, and it was and then all of a sudden, it was like people were racing. They were like running down the aisles. And this little Baptist boy was like, what is happening? And then they started, um, several of them had like flags and ribbons. 
and, and then some of them spoke in tongues. Now, it was very normal for them. It wasn't distracting. For me, who had never experienced anything like that, it was a bit distracting because I wasn't quite sure what was going on. So, you know, someone comes here from a, a very conservative church and they even see a few people raise their hands, it's probably going to be distracting and make them uncomfortable because, because they, they aren't used to doing that. But don't let the fear of what someone is going to think about you stop you from worshiping God. You worship in whatever way you feel like God has called you to. Number two, busyness can hinder us from worship. We can't just add worship to the to-do list. Now, I have four kids, so they all go in different directions at all times. And sometimes, you know, we have flag football or we have basketball. Or we, I mean, there's, there's just, there's always something that's going on. And you get bogged down in the day-to-day life and the things that, that are just going on, that it is very easy to put God on the shelf. I'll get you this. Oh, no, I can't do it this way. We have, we have this we have to do. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus actually addresses this. This is the story of Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus is so good at his reaction to people when they ask him a question. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We all become Marthas. We get so busy, and we fill our life with so much stuff. But let me tell you something. Busyness is not equal contentness. God always needs to be the most important thing. We need to always make room for him in our lives. We need to always make room for the acknowledgement. In Psalm 4610, you guys know this verse. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the nations. Be still and know that I am God. I would encourage you this week to carve out a time where you can know him. Don't let everything else get more importance than that. Just be still and spend time with him. The next thing that can heard me talk about how I deal with anxiety and it's, it's, it is an issue for me that I constantly struggle with. And I have to, I have to go back and read this in Matthew actually um, quite a bit in chapter 6. This is in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus says, therefore I tell you, I do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It is difficult to see God working when you are consumed with your own worries, when I am consumed with my own worries. Mandy and I were talking Friday night about something, and she said, don't go down the rabbit hole. 
that, that door to the rabbit hole opens, and I know I don't want to go there, but yet I still walk down that rabbit hole. It's like the, the line from Waymaker, even when we don't see it, he's working, even when we don't see it because we're so consumed with fear and anxiety and going down that rabbit hole, our God is still working. We have to trust him. I have to trust him even when I'm struggling with anxiety. And I do trust him, but for some reason I still get consumed by that. He knows what we need. Simply worship him. Materialism. You say, man, how does how does that get in the way? Put on worship. Our stuff can get in the way. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now that have a lot of money and God has blessed you financially, that doesn't mean that you can't live a healthy life. But we know from earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus tells us that we cannot serve both God and money. God is the source of all blessings, even financial blessings. Even your life, it's your breath. Don't let your love for things get in the way of God. And it's easy to do because, look, stuff's expensive. I mean, we, we, have, we have four kids. That's not cheap to, to clothe them, to feed them, to make sure that they have, have shelter. I, my oldest boy is constantly reminding me how our Wi-Fi is not good enough. I didn't even have Wi-Fi. I didn't even know what Wi-Fi was when I was your age. I just went outside and threw the baseball. And then he has a friend that got a brand new Toyota Tundra. And he's like, man, I wish I had one of those. I'm like, I like mine. And I told Amanda, I was like, mine is so 2020. And apparently that's that's old. But, you know, kids really struggle with, with this because you've you got to keep up with your friends at school and, and, and what the cool thing is. And for some reason, Crocs are that right now. I don't, those aren't even expensive, but those are not of the Lord. <laughs> Jesus would not wear those. I'm just saying, he wouldn't. Sorry. I'm sorry. Jocelyn, I love you. I have faults too. We'll, we'll talk about them after, okay? Look, Crocs are comfortable, but just... Which brings me to the next thing that hinders us, and that's pride. (laughs) I am not better than anyone else, and you are not better than anyone else. Now, you know, there is a type of person that comes to church. We all know who they are, and if you don't know this person, then you may be this person. It's like, well... 30 years, and 
I'm just glad I'm not like Joe over there who and thank God I'm not like that that single mom you know she's been married three times and four kids with four different dads I mean I'm, I'm not like that you know what in God's eyes my sin is the same as yours there is not like a level of sin it's all sin Once again, Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Okay, tax collector, scum of the earth back there. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I got. He's saying I follow all the rules. You can look. I give exactly 10% of my income and all these check. I'm, I'm putting a check mark in all these boxes. I'm following the rules. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat on his and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be In James 4, 6, it tells, James tells us that God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I was just telling Jesse this morning out there, I said, don't ever pray for patience or humility, because the two prayers God will answer immediately. Don't do it. Next, a hardened heart and an unbelieving heart. You cannot worship in spirit and in truth with a hard heart or with bitterness, anger, rage, whatever term you want to use right there. In Proverbs 28, 14, it says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. You hold grudges? sin in the way you would think of it, not because you sin that you can't worship. The Bible tells us we, we all sin, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned, all fallen short of the glory of God. What I mean by sin keeping you from worship is more the shame that comes with it. There is nothing that you can do if you are a follower of Jesus that can separate you from God. Nothing. Now, that doesn't give us free reign to just do whatever we want and say, well, it's okay. But don't let that shame, that embarrassment, keep you from worship, keep you from a relationship Now, you may be sitting out there this morning and saying, but yeah, but Brad, you don't know what I've done. You don't, you don't know the things that I've done. If you knew what I had done, you, you would understand. God, God doesn't The things I have said from my mouth, I couldn't possibly use my mouth to worship God because of what I've said. 
want to look back. I read Isaiah 6-3, but I want to read the first seven verses of chapter 2. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King of the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Just like I said, Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned, all fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus stands ready to forgive us. God doesn't ignore our sin. In fact, quite the opposite. Our sin bothered him so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth simply to live and then be put to death for our sin. Every drop of blood that Jesus shed on the cross has covered your sin and has washed it away. I mean, that right there is why we worship him. We are unclean. We're not good enough. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that doesn't matter anymore. Now we have full access to God. You you can't do anything in this life. You cannot be good enough to earn God's love. I don't care how good you are or how many good deeds you do. There is nothing you can do to earn His love. We're not worthy of it. But he loved us that much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And so that's why we pour out our hurts. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings together and we lift our voices together and we sing these songs and say, it's your breath and our lungs to weep. created everything in this world loved you enough to send his son to die for you. If you have kids, is there anyone in your life that you love enough that you would give one of your children for? I wouldn't. But God loves you that much. So today, next week, and in two weeks, I want to encourage you throughout the week to carve out time for God. Maybe it's just in the car as you're driving. You don't even have to have music on. Just acknowledge how great He is. I promise you can find something in your life where God has done something and acknowledged His greatness. 
that you are a great God. Thank you for giving Jesus to die on the cross for us. We didn't deserve that. We, 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 we can't earn it. We can't earn your love. Yet you love us anyway. Father, hear our praise now this morning as we worship you. Help us. Help us to pour out our praise to you. Father, you are great. We can't thank you enough for what you've done for us. Giving Jesus to die. Open our eyes. Open our hearts to worship you. Help us not to care what people think. Help us not to be too busy. All these things that that keep us from you, remove them. Help us to just be still. To sit at your feet and just pour out our praise. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. There'll be people up front up here if uh, you need prayer. Let's just worship him. Let's finish out today. Recognize how much he loves us.